All right. Last, um, before last Sunday, I decided that I was going to do a, a vision casting Sunday this week. Remember last week we looked at Colossians, and um, this week I was going to, I am going to, kind of give a vision cast. What is that? It's, um, imagine you're on a hike in the woods, and you stop to look at the map, see where, you, where you've been, where you're going, how you got there, and make sure you're headed in the right way. And um, got home from church last Sunday, sat down to work on this. Two of my kids got sick. Got an uh, email Sunday night and had a conversation with a very dear friend that was um, not the most wonderful conversation, not the most joyful conversation. Um, had a car incident right after that where we had a wheel come off the car at seven in, a little before 7 in the morning. Very sick two-year-old with a sinus infection. Had a nine-year-old with stitches. Had a uh, uncle of Laura shatter his hip and his shoulder. And two days ago, I started coming down with whatever the heck my kids have. So, all that to say, whenever this has happened in the past, something big's coming. Good, um, because everything in me is just screaming inside. No, 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 no. This has been a week where I have grown tremendously. Um, I've seen a lot of weakness. I have uh, been discouraged and encouraged simultaneously. And I'm just praying today God might give me 30 minutes to talk to you guys with a non-loopy head to let you know what's going to be going on this year. Um, some of you guys have known me six years. Have I ever blown smoke at you? I mean, do I ever spiritualize stuff? Like, this is going to be a phenomenal year in the Lord. You, you don't hear that from me often, do you? Because... Uh, this is going to be a phenomenal year in the Lord. I have no stinking idea how. It doesn't play out like I think it is so far, and we're, what, five days in, six days in? But I'm going to guarantee you, if you will walk with me, this will be a phenomenal year in the Lord, and I can guarantee if we do, it will. Okay? Let me ask you two questions. What's a perfect church? Make sure you listen here. What is a perfect church? What do you see? Yes, obviously I'm in the front, but besides that, the other stuff. What's a, that wasn't funny either. What's a perfect church? You ever stop and think about that? What does it look like? How many people go there? What's the preacher sound like? What's your relationship with the people in the church like? What's your relationship with the pastor like? How do your, how do your uh, kids, youth, adults, singles, married, uh, kids and empty nesters is the word, how do they all intermingle? What is a perfect church? Have you ever thought about that? I, I thought about it this week. I'd never really thought about it before so much, but don't you all want to go to a perfect church? Wouldn't that be nice? If you could find a perfect church. Put that to the side. Now, if I could make you a couple promises, and pay attention here. If I could promise that you would be transformed, radically transformed, to come to know God more fully, to be used by Him more powerfully, to be perfectly positioned and equipped to make Him known to others, those in your, in your home, in your family, extended relationships, in your business place, that whole Fran thing. If you could have God, if, if I could promise that God would reveal himself to you more fully and, cl and clearly, that you would bear much fruit and that God would be highly pleased with you. No smoke, folks. If I could promise that, 
100% guarantee, would you be interested? So, you've got a perfect church, and I, I made some outlandish promises to there. You would be transformed. You would mature radically in your faith. You would be perfectly positioned and equipped to make God known, and God would reveal himself to you far more fully and clearly. He would give you joy beyond measure. You would bear much fruit, and he would be highly pleased with you, and those desires that you have in your heart would be met and exceeded, guaranteed. Are you interested or not? Me too. Now, how the heck do we do that? That's all I got for today. How do we? Well, here's what happened. You see that picture behind me? <sighs> roots and fruit. We exist as a church for roots and fruits, period. And over the years, you know, if I, could, if I could hit stop and rewind to when we first started the church, there are things I would do differently. But we wouldn't still be the church we are. I wouldn't be the pastor I am today. But as we've gone along, I've noticed some, some things that are really amazing. And I'm going to show you how we can be, listen to me here, the or a perfect church such that if Jesus walked through that door, I could guarantee if we do this, he would say, this is a perfect church. I am so pleased with this church. And I can guarantee that. I can guarantee you that you will be matured and transformed, perfectly positioned and equipped to make God known. You would have joy beyond measure. Even when you're sick and even when the weather's trashy outside, you would have a joy beyond measure that you would have God revealed to you such that he wouldn't be this distant deity that you know about, but as real to you as I am sitting in front of you, and you would hear from him far more clearly than the stuff that comes out of my mouth. I can guarantee that to you. I can guarantee that he will bear much fruit in and through you and be highly pleased with you, not because I'm talking fluff, but because he promised it to us with a condition attached. And that's what we're going to be about this year. I want to be a church that becomes a perfect church, that sees all of these promises of God met, poured out, seen visibly in our lives as we work this year on roots. That doesn't mean next January we're like, screw the roots, we're done. But we're going to begin root work. And when we work on roots, there will be much fruit. Now, here's the hard part. There's no bells and whistles. No gimmicks. No moon bounce. Maybe we'll have a moon bounce in the spring. I cannot even give you a worship band. But I can give you tried and true, guaranteed, proven results. They're not mine. They're God's. It's not glitz and glamour. It's really, really hard work. It's really, really hard work. There will be times when you'll be discouraged. I don't want to say this, but there will be times when you'll be bored. And you will have to persevere and not grow weary of doing good. But if you will, if I will, if we will help each other do it, my word. I'm not blowing smoke. You guys know me well enough. We will be a perfect church, and you will see these promises poured out. Now I'm going to tell you how we're going to do this with a few key things we're going to walk into this year. And I'm going to tell you why these things exist. If you have a Bible, flip it to John 15. If you remember when we went through the Gospel of John, I probably don't even have to read it. I'm sure you've all memorized this just like I have, but I'll read it just, just the same. How about? Jesus says in John 15, 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine, vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Pruning hurts, just FYI. If you're a plant, it doesn't feel so good. But he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now he says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, listen to this, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. I was thinking about this coming year, and I was chewing on John 15, not coincidentally, and I was feeling depressed, discouraged, sick, overwhelmed, exhausted, and I thought, something's going on here. Something's going on here. We're going to do a few things this year. I'm, let me rephrase it. I'm going to ask you to join me in doing a few things this year. This success will depend on our mutual commitment to doing these things, but the success is guaranteed if we do them. Okay? The first two, don't roll your eyes on me. These are necessary things, but stick with me. It gets more exciting as we go on. The first thing we are going to do is we're going to be committed to being a praying church. Now, if you don't um, understand people's view on prayer, you come sit up here on Sunday when I ask, what should we pray about? And you will get the same look that I would have if I were sitting out there. It's just kind of a, you know why? You don't want to say this out loud. But we really don't think prayer does much good, do we? Like, if, we, if God said, you are forbidden from praying anymore, we'd be like, well, fine, you freed up some time for me today. No more guilt about not praying. We don't really think prayer works. Because if we did, we would sure pray a lot more. Well, the reality is, Prayer is, prayer works, prayer is necessary, prayer is commanded by God. I can't explain to, the, to you the logistics of how it works. It's not prosperity, name it and claim it. You know, I, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, my private jet. And then I'm like talking about my private jet and I got my aviator jacket from a private jet that God's going to deliver. That's not how prayer works. But as we abide, it says here, whatever you're praying in God's name, you're going to be receiving. So I want to commit individually and collectively, to being a praying church. And what are we going to pray about? We're going to pray that God will grow mighty deep roots in us and bear much fruit. 
We're going to pray that God would allow us to love one another as he has loved us. We're going to pray for the needs of people. We're going to pray for the, the people around us in Chester County. We're going to pray for the leaders of our nation. We're going to pray for God to bring a massive revival and awakening to himself in this area. Anyone know what the businessman's prayer revival was? You ever hear of that? A couple guys, and I believe it was New York City. A couple guys. Like the first three rows and me, a couple guys started getting together to pray. That God would begin to do a mighty work and open people's eyes to come to know who he is. Just praying. And a little bit of a fire started from that spark. And people started coming to faith like nobody's business. Hundreds of thousands of people exploded all over the northeastern part of this country. God brought, a, God brought revival and awakening by a couple faithful people praying. And these were men who knew the Lord and desired to be used mightily by the Lord, and they prayed that God would use them and work in and through them. You see, we don't really know a lot of American church history, but you will see God work massively and mightily, beginning with the prayers of a faithful few. I want to be a praying people in a praying church, because I know that's God, how, what God calls us to be. And that's how God works mightily for his glory, not our own. How do we do that? Well, there's going to be a bunch of stuff. I'll teach, model, and lead you in this year. But let me start with two. Corporate prayer time. Now, I know everybody can't make corporate prayer time. That's fine. And we can modify corporate prayer time. Instead of meeting, if you desire, before church, we can meet one evening a month. Combine it with something else and pray as a church. We, we, can, we can make work however we need to, but for now we'll leave it at the corporate prayer time, first and third Sundays. And if you're able to make it, let's get together and, and, and lift up our voices to God. Let's ask him to use us, to work through us, to grow us, to do a mighty work for his glory. And starting this year, starting this month, and each month thereafter, I want to send out a, a church prayer list to everybody. It'll go to everybody, part of the church, and there are also a group of people who pray for our church that are geographically dispersed. And if you have anything that you would like us to be praying for for you daily, let's get it on that list. If you're feeling discouraged, if you have a desire, if you have a need, let's be lifting each other up in prayer because God commands us to. Okay? Now, as we do this, the root begins to grow a little bit. Now, you are like, oh my goodness, this is going to be the most wonderfully exciting year. Now we're going to pray. Let's keep going. Last week, this isn't going to be missed. We will let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Now, I wish I knew this when I first came to faith, because I've stumbled over this so many times, and, and I've, I've injured myself, spiritually speaking, so many times. There is only one way you can grow in your faith, come to know God more fully, and to be equipped to be used by him powerfully. There is only one way. Now, I've tried a number of different ways. You've probably tried a number of different ways, too. The only way that works is by letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I'm sorry, I wish I had something more exciting. I, I wish I could give you a video thing that you watch every day, and it's fun, and it's high energy, and, and Bono is singing, and boom, boom, and it's just like, yeah! I wish it was like, you know, P90X for the spiritual man. But they don't have that. It's not how God worked. You know, imagine he sent a video instead of the Bible, and Jesus is like, Whoa, I am a man of faith. Walk with me. Like, yeah! But no. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I want to be committed individually and collectively to feasting on God's word daily because it's tried and true. I don't want to read through the Bible in a year. I want to read the Bible today. How? 
however you want, however much you want. But let us, let us commit individually and collectively to be a people of his word who let his word dwell in us richly. Let's also position ourselves corporately to encourage and equip one another to do it. Okay? Let's position ourselves so that if you're, we, we can help hold each other accountable. We're not going to guilt each other into it. Up, announcement, Kirsten Tuttle is three days out of God's word, everyone. That works real well. We're not going to guilt each other. She's probably the one who doesn't miss a day, right? And we're, all, we're going to encourage one another. We're going to ask each other. We're going to hold each other lovingly accountable. We're going to share with each other from our successes and our failures. And we're going to share with each other things God is showing us through his word. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm not the one who's supposed to just equip and encourage and guide you. This is a, this is a mutual thing here. Yes, I have a unique role as a pastor, but, but we encourage one another. We equip one another. I will, I will fall flat on my tail if you guys just think it's all up to me. I'll be miserable, burned out, crying at home. Haven't gotten to the crying part yet. Um, but we need to mutually encourage one another. So we're going to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Now here we go with the unexpected. We will deepen our understanding of basic Christian doctrine. What does that mean? Anybody here thoroughly understand what the Bible has to say in and out? I mean, let's say someone comes up to you and says, Hey, can you tell me, why did Jesus have to be a man? Not just God, but a man? Uh, well, and then you, if you're like me, you go to this very long-winded answer that just keeps going and going and feel like I should be able to say that more quickly? Someone says, what, what is actually, what's faith? Who is God? What's the Trinity? What is repentance? Why do, do you have to do works as a Christian, or are you saved by grace through faith? Basic questions, you know? Who here feels like they, they got that down, don't need any help there? I'm not doing that, right? But wouldn't you like to have that stuff down? Wouldn't you like to understand... Basic Christian doctrine. Wouldn't you like to understand Scripture without having to read 66 books 66 times and know, oh my gosh, now I got it. I'm 92 years old and I finally feel equipped that I know what I'm talking about. You won't get to that point. You see, I'm going to throw a scary word out there. You guys don't nobody run when you hear this word, okay? This is an old, old, frightening word. The word is catechism. Do you hear that word? When you think of catechism, are you fired up? Or are you like, oh, Lord, where's he going? Catechism. Say it, everybody. Catechism. Come on. Catechism. Nobody's excited? Good. Because I hate catechism. Well, I hated catechism. You know why? Because a lot of kids growing up, Catholic kids, they got catechized. And we thought, oh, my gosh, what does that mean? It's like spiritually, painfully branded. What we do is there's, a, there's EWTN. Anyone have that on their, their cable? There's this show, scared of boots off of me every time I watch it. It's a bunch of of, uh, nuns sitting in a room saying the rosary in this this tone that scares me. I always think, has anyone ever seen this or is it just me? It's like 50 to 100 people in Hail Mary full of grins. It's just, I'm not knocking the rosary. I'm not touching that conversation. I'm just saying that's what I thought catechism was. Go into a trance and regurgitate facts. What is a chief end of man to glorify God in all we do? Who is Jesus Christ? That's not what, you understand that's not what catechism was supposed to be all about. 
Catechism was supposed to be designed for kids to teach them biblical truth. So when your kids say to you, Mom, Dad, who's God? And you're like, ah, oh, the trick would have been, you would have been catechized, and you would say, oh, God is, boom, and let's go to the Bible, and I'll show you. This is what it says about who God is. Uh, what's the Trinity? Anybody's kids ever ask them, what's, what's the, can you explain the Trinity to me, Dad? Oh, crud. Uh, well, yeah, you see, you see, the problem we have, folks, is we kind of know, but we don't thoroughly know. We, we know about, but we don't often know the why. And what I want to do this year, whether you are just a biblical scholar and have Christian doctrine down pat, or you would like to know biblical doctrine a whole lot better, or you're somewhere in between, I will promise you, if you will walk with me, as we go through this, and you'll be floored when I explain to you what the catechism we're going to use is, it even has an iPad app. Did you hear that? A catechism with an iPad app. It don't get any better than that. If you will walk with me in this, what we will do is we will have a comprehensive exposition of Scripture. That's a very fancy way to say you will understand what the Bible has to say front to back. You and I will be better equipped to identify errors and false beliefs and teachings in our time and culture and address and correct them. Now, there are some people you see on TV like smiling preachers down south. You know that ain't right. There are some, though, that are kind of in between and you wonder, is that right? Well, we'll be able to tell. We'll also help us to form into a distinct people, countercultural, that reflects the likeness of Christ not only individually in our character, but communally as a church. It's going to help us better understand and defend, quite simply, why Christians believe what they do. Okay? This is going to be designed such that if you have younger children, I don't even know what the number is on younger children, but if you have younger children, this is able to be done at home with your kids in a very child-friendly way on this app or on this website. You don't have to buy an app. But what I'd like to do is I would like what I'm going to do, hopefully you're with me on this, is take real conversations and turn real conversations into, it'll still be called real conversations, but catechism gone wild. That's not what we'll really call it. But what we're going to do there is each month, we are going to walk through four basic catechistic questions. And at the end of the year, what you are going to have is a far more robust understanding of basic Christian doctrine. Now, the youth-aged kids, I think this is a completely wonderful place to bring them. You hear me, Madeline? You awake? This is a place where, where they can, obviously, I can't do a, a blowout youth group. But I think if, you want to, if we want to have something where the, the older kids can be brought in and brought with their parents to this, this is a wonderful opportunity to help the parents have a dialogue with them. If not, and you feel that you'd rather do it at home, that's absolutely fine too. But that's, this is completely appropriate for that. This is also completely appropriate if you have friends out there. Maybe they go to a different church. We are not going to be a, a church of, of sheep stealers, okay? They, it's, our worship band is awesome, but I, you know, I don't want to have people coming just for the music. But if you know people who are floundering in their faith that have a desire to know Christian doctrine better, invite them to Catechism Gone Wild. I mean, real conversations. If you know people that have no faith but seem to have an inquisitiveness, invite them. I have a number of men I know well who attend... Um, I have a number of men I know well... See, when you have a cold, you, you stop. It's three words slower, just so you know. I go three words past where I would have gone if I was perfectly healthy. Who have said to me... 
John, I just, I wish I knew what the Bible said and how it applies to my life, but there is no way in the Dickens for a variety of reasons that they would walk into a church building. This is a wonderful place to invite them to come, okay? So this is going to exist for a variety of reasons. What we're going to use is something called New City Catechism. Dan, uh, Dan brought that to my attention. The deeper I dig into it, the better it is. There are, there are catechisms from the past, Heidelberg Catechism, the Westminster Catechism, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and they're wonderful. Uh, they're a little, bit, a little bit difficult to navigate, and they were written hundreds of years ago, so they're not as applicable to our time. This takes the best of the past catechism, puts it in very easy-to-understand language with a commentary on what we're looking at, and a real conversation. I'll draw it out a little bit more for you, okay? The time commitment on your part is going to be about, you ready for this, deep breath, three minutes a day, once a week. Is the bare minimum you need to get by. Three minutes a day, once a week. Or you could go far more grand than that. We're going to get out of it what we put into it. But I can guarantee that you will be better equipped, not just in understanding why you believe what you do, but in sharing what you believe what you do. And I think that I read somewhere that that's how God says we end up bearing much fruit. So we're going to deepen our understanding of basic Christian doctrine. All right, this is for the ladies. Because us men, we're, we're wimps. We don't have to do this. Just wait for the next one for you guys. We're going to learn how to share our faith. Women's um, evangelism course. Now, when you hear the word evangelism, old man, long beard, sign on a stick, repent, for the end is near, right? Well, you guys are going to make those signs and do it without the beard. And every Sunday after church, you're going to go out to 130, that intersection, and you're going to just hold your signs and, and just yell at people, and we'll see who comes. No? Do you know what evangelism really means? It's good news teller. All you do, all it means is telling people the good news. Do you know you do not have to really put forth hardly any effort to tell people the good news? If you had a kid, say, say you had a child, how hard did you have to work to find opportunities to tell people that you had a child? You know, was there a lot of strategic planning? Oh my gosh, I'm, I really want to let all my friends know that I have a child. So I'm going to send out some mailers to, to just pique their interest so that they'll answer the phone when I, no, you just, hey, I had a baby. And they're like, oh, that's so cool. And all you do is you talk about this kid and you drive him crazy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't care how many diapers a day you're doing. But you're so excited it's your first kid. Well, this is better news. And Jesus commands us, wouldn't that be interesting if we took his word seriously, he commands us to go out and make disciples, to be good news tellers, to teach people what the good news is, and to help them be able to tell other people what the good news is. And he commands us to be able to give a reason for the hope that we have. So this evangelism course is simply going to help you understand the good news, discover why it is such good news, and see how stinking simple it is to share the good news. In fact, I would guarantee this past week, every single person here had numerous opportunities to very easily share this good news, but we get so tripped up that it's supposed to be so difficult, we miss it, and we're also not fully equipped to pull it off. It's a self-paced online course. The women are going to get together as they go through it to support and encourage one another. And the goal is not street corner preaching. The goal is to be prepared when opportunities arise, period. Laura will contact you with more information on this. This is for the women, because I've determined that evangelism is women's work, and us men will go hunting and eat meat. Or we'll do number five. The women are doing evangelism. Men are going to do a Bible study. We're going to share the word of God with others. 
It's a unique Bible study because we're going to try to invite people who don't know Jesus. Imagine that. Imagine if we didn't make a holy huddle Bible study. But we actually thought about those Fran. How was it? Two years now I've been harping on Fran, friends, relatives, associates, neighbors. And if we're honest, we're all sitting there like, that sounds like a phenomenal concept, Pastor, but how the heck do you do it? You know, I'd love for all of my friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors to, to come to know Jesus, to hear the word of God, but can you help me out with how? Well, just FYI, so far, one through four are intentionally designed to help us with the how, because it's based on the roots. But I want to do this Bible study. We're going to do this Bible study. I hope you'll join me for two reasons. First, it's an opportunity for us to invite Fran to hear God's word and examine God's word and hold God to his, to his promise that the word of God is powerful. It's able to divide between sinew and spirit. It's used to convict people of righteousness. Basically, God's word is the power of God for salvation. People come to faith by hearing his word. This is an opportunity for us to, in an engaging, non-threatening way that has no commitment or cost associated to anybody we're inviting, to be able to hear God's word and see what he might do through it. Now, just so you know, not everybody you invite may come. I don't want you to go home and cry like I will, but everybody might not come. But those people who don't come, it's not a failure. You know why? Because what we have done in a small way is identify ourselves saying that, you know, Joshua says this, for me and my house, we choose the Lord. We're telling people, as for me, I'm with Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. And they'll realize that if they have questions about him at some point down the road, they'll call back that crazy friend that invited them to that crazy Bible study. And maybe they'll start coming then. But guys, I'm telling you, this is proven and true. This is biblically proven and true from from ancient history to today. Number six, and this is where I'm going to wrap up. We will love one another as Christ has loved us. I would like to do quarterly or bi-monthly whole church events. Now, these can be anything from just fun activities to service projects out and about. We can go to... uh, Blow your mind with whatever you want to do. You want to go to a nursing home and sit with the patients at the nursing home and talk with them and do crafts with them and, and just be there to help them have a, you know, uh, some, some, something fun? We'll go as a church and we'll do that. Maybe we'll do that you know, on a Sunday instead of meeting here. Maybe we'll go out and, and light a grill and do something fun. We can do something like you know, refreshing mountain. We, the, whatever. I want to do stuff to grow closer to one another and to be a light in a dark world. Now, on this one, I would really like to ask somebody or somebodies to step up and take leadership on this. I'll get you going with it. I, I, I will, I'll walk alongside you and give you whatever you need. But I'd love someone or someones to plan these through on how we want to do them, what we're going to do, and begin to think about that. The church has left the building type of thing. But I also want in this to be intentional about thinking about ways we can interact with and encourage one another. Guys, this is, this is the hard one. This is the really hard one. We need to, because God says we need to. It said right here, I believe, in John 15, love one another as I have loved you. Right there in 15:12, Love one another as I have loved you. There are a variety of reasons. This is not just in the church, it's outside of the church. But there are a variety of reasons God calls us to do this as a church. And in fact, as we as a church love one another, the world sees that and sees the love of Christ through that. But it's hard stinking work. It's really hard stinking work. 
because I'll admit, I may not always be the most loveliest guy. You know, you guys may, I see him once a week on Sunday, and good Lord, it's enough. <laughs> but you know what? Jesus didn't come and die for us because we're lovely. He came and died for us because he loved us. And when he loved us, and we came to faith, we became his. So how can we, and I want us to think about this collectively, how can we love one another and invest in one another's lives? You know, I, I think everyone here knows, and I think I know with everybody sitting out there, I, I judge this a 3 a.m. phone call, but not in the political sense. If I had an emergency and had to take one of the kids, you know, or I had to take Laura to the hospital at 3 a.m., and I needed to call somebody to come over and watch my kids. Hey, you got that call once, didn't you? And had to call somebody to watch one of my kids. I would be comfortable calling anyone in this room at 3 a.m., and I truly believe, don't, don't move your heads at this point because you'll ruin it for me, I truly believe that you would be in my house in a second. And I hope you know the same is true for me. But it's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. It is, it is being committed to loving one another in whatever that looks like. It takes time. It takes intentionality. It's, it's hard work. But I'll make you guys this promise. I love that graphic, by the way. I chose it. So. If, if we do this, we will be floored. I was telling Flo downstairs earlier, when, when I was young, this is, I'll let it go. Forgive me if it's a cold talking. When I was probably six or seven, I remember saying to my mom, Mom, how do you know if I'm a prophet? You guys ever hear this story? Mom, how do you know if I'm a prophet? You know, a little, little Jewish boy going to Hebrew school, I decide, hey, Elijah, Elisha, Moses, I, why not me? Mom, how do you know if I'm a prophet? She's like, well, give me a break. No, Mom, I'm serious. And I was dead serious. I said to her, how do you know that, that I'm not going to tell lots and lots of people about God and what God has to say? She said, give me a break. So I gave her a break, and I put it in a box and threw it away. When I came to faith a bunch of years later, it was laid on my heart in a very non-understandable way at the time that God desired to use me in a variety of ways to help make his love known to a lot of people. I didn't quite understand what the heck he's talking about. I thought what that meant was, I have a church like Andy Stanley. There would be tens of thousands of people coming every Sunday, and the light would shine on me, and I would tell people about God, and, and just everything's great. Well, when you meet some of these guys who have these massive places, they, believe it or not, would like to switch places with me. And I'm all for it, so I'll be gone next week. No, I'm kidding. I'll be here, God willing. But little by little, what I've come to realize is, yes, God desires to use me to make his love known to many. But you know what else I found out? God desires to use you and you and you and you and you and every one of you, whether you're two years old or 102 years old, to make his love known to many. Now, I have set us up as a church intentionally and unintentionally, thanks to God's uh, loving kindness, so that we will fail miserably if we don't abide. But if we abide, we will succeed beyond comprehension. What does that look like? I can't tell you that. But I can tell you that Jesus will say, that is 
awesome. With you, I am well pleased. You see, I can't bring a single person to faith. I can't even make my kids love Jesus. And I really like my kids more than most other people. Don't tell anyone I said that. I can't make them love Jesus. I can't make people come into this church building. I can't make you guys excited about coming here on Sunday. I can't do any good thing unless I abide in Christ. But what I want to do and what I want to invite you to do is let God light us on fire, figuratively speaking, light us on fire and let us burn before the world so that those who know him may be encouraged and follow our example, and those who do not know him might watch us burn and say, what the heck is going on? And we might give them a reason for the hope that we have. So this year, here's my goal. Now, I'm imagining I have a heart attack and crash into a wall on the way home, and my car's going to light on fire because that's how the week's going. So please pray for me, and I will pray for you. But every time, and here's why I'm so positive this is going to be an awesome year. And I'm not setting up like it's going to be an awesome year. But I'm positive it's going to be an awesome year. Because every time God's about to do a mighty work, at least this is my experience and perhaps it's yours too, the devil gets to kicking and prodding, trying to discourage you along the way. And I resolve to not allow him to discourage me and I pray that you will pray for me and not allow me to be discouraged and I'll do the same for you. But as we walk in these six things, technically five, and one of them is interchangeable with men and women, little by little, we will grow deeper and deeper roots. We will abide more fully. And I saw it right there. We will bear much fruit. Now, I would love at this point to push stop. Fast forward five years, okay? And we could get a glimpse, because this is conditional, folks, if, I said that if, if you will abide, if we will commit, if we will walk in these things, then, this is an if then, our relationship with Christ is secure. But because of our relationship, we abide. So if, right, assume the if, stop, then we see where we are in five years. You wouldn't believe what you just saw. You would not believe what you saw in your own life in the lives of those you care most deeply about, in the life of the church, in the life of the community around us. You would not believe what you saw, that I promise. It would either scare the boots off of you, because what if you found yourself in Botswana? With me! No. But I can tell you we will bear much fruit. So here's what I want to do this year with these things, and you'll see it as we continue on through the book of Acts. And I pray that that you will see it in my life, and I will model it for you, that I will encourage you with it, that you will encourage me with it, and that you'll walk alongside me in this hard work. We will grow deep roots, and we will bear much fruit. And it's going to be a heck of a ride. It's going to be scary. It's going to be uncertain. It's going to be a heck of a ride. But Jesus made some promises. So if you want to be a perfect church, if you want to be transformed, perfectly positioned and equipped to make him known. Have joy beyond measure. Have God reveal himself to you more fully and clearly. If you want to bear much fruit in you and through you, if you want God to be highly pleased with you, well, let's see what happens. Shall we pray? Father God, I think I finally reached that point where I feel totally and unequivocally ill-equipped to live the life that you call me to. And I think as I feel that way, I see you smile. And because that's what you want us to be. You want us to be humble. That doesn't mean that we just shut our mouths and don't tell people out loud how wonderful we think we are on the inside. 
It means we truly understand what we were apart from you and what we have been made through you. And in that humility comes a joy beyond measure. God, I've come to realize that my job isn't to be a people changer, not even a personal changer, because I can't. But you can. Father, I've come to realize that while I know the prayer, not my will done, but your will be done, that there's a part of me that doesn't really want to say that line. But Father, I pray you would help me and all of us say your will, not our will. Father, I pray that we would be a people who take your word seriously, who take you seriously, who allow you to show us the incredible love you have for us and to work through us powerfully. Father, I'm trusting that every word of God proves true, that you will do what you say, and that's not a blind trust. Father, I pray we would come to know you this year and moving ahead so intimately and so personally that we would never, ever, ever again think that you seem distant but understand the nearness of you right at this moment. I pray we would live as a people with an eternal focus. I pray we would model that life for those we care most deeply about and those we don't even know. I pray we would diligently equip ourselves for the opportunities and all the good works that you have prepared in advance for us. And God, I pray your guidance, protection, and provision upon God's Grace Bible Church and upon the families who comprise this church, that we would be used mightily for your glory, that we would have joy beyond measure, and that with us, you would be well pleased. Father, make this into a perfect church. Father, do in us all that you desire to do. And Father, encourage us along the way, because we are weak and frail and scared easily. But Father, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust I will not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? God, I pray we would go out into this lost world, that we would make you known as we grow to know you more fully. Father, I pray that as we come forward today and take communion, we think about what we're doing. The goal of abiding, the goal of growing roots, is not about union with Christ, that's secure. It's about communion. It's about intimacy. It's about walking in greater proximity relationally. Father, I pray today that as we partake in the blood and the body of our risen Lord and Savior, that you would encourage us, that you would remind us of the incredible depth and breadth of the love you have for us, that your son would lay down his life for us, his sheep, and that we would trust him enough to walk in obedience to what he calls us to, so that we might have the joy you intend for us and live in relationship with you and one another in a manner that is glorifying to you. In the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ, I pray these things. Amen. As the music starts, I invite you to come forward.